Right, it's fight week. Yes, it is a fight week. I feel like I've waited absolute ages to say those magic words because on Saturday night we get the first major UFC card of the year. It's UFC 270. We're going to see two big title fights. We're going to start with the men's flyweight title being defended by Brandon Moreno against Devison Figueroa, the very man that Moreno beat to win the title in the first place. It's the third time these two fierce competitors are going to face off against each other. And then it's the big one. It's the big heavyweight clash between champion Francis Ngannou and interim champion Cyril Ghosn. They can only be one and the undisputed will be crowned on Saturday night. I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm here to talk about both of these fights. Before I do, my name is Rahul J. Chan. This is the Battle Camp. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing because I'm very close to getting to 1,000 subscribers. I'm very, very close, but it's slow progress. I feel like a tortoise and I want to be a hare. I want to get it quicker. So please help me by hitting the subscribe button <clears throat> all right look there's only one place to start and that's the heavyweight title right because um as i was thinking about what am i going to say in this video i was going through the archives and the database that i've got up here stored uh, fights and fighters and i couldn't for the life of me think of a fighter that's gone into a fight uh with as much at stake as france and garner has on saturday night now this all started in the summer last year when the ufc randomly at the time decided to announce that there's going to be an interim title fight between cyril garn and derek lewis and i remember i made a couple of videos at the time sat here saying what the hell is going on why are the ufc doing this like france and garn has just won the heavyweight title it looks as though he wants to be active there is no reason to have an interim title fight and then on August the 7th, and I don't just remember that, I've got Cyril Garn's Wikipedia page up in front of me, at UFC 265, uh, Cyril Garn beats Derek Lewis relatively easily, and he becomes the interim title, um, interim title, interim title holder champion, and ever since that day, it just feels as though both of these men are on a collision course. And we're talking about August last year, so there's been a considerable amount of time uh, between then and obviously Saturday night from when the UFC decided the fight is going to happen. And in that time, we've just seen loads of kind of stories unravel, you know. We've seen Ferland Lopez come out in the media, talk about Francis Ngannou, and Francis Ngannou have to come back and respond to the accusations and uh, the things that Lopez has said about Ngannou. So he's fighting a battle on that front against his ex-coach, his mentor, who's now trained someone up to come and take everything that he's worked for, some real Karate Kid shit, some real Cobra Kai stuff, you know. And then whilst that's going on, this personal, um, emotional kind of... Um, um, conflicts that France Ngannou is currently in he's in this dispute with his promoter the guy that's supposed to be helping him and every dollar possible they're going back and forth they're in a dispute over his next contract and I've made videos about this in the past as well and all of this stuff culminates on Saturday night for Francis Ngannou where he he gets to shut his ex-coach up um, he gets to add leverage uh, to his case against, uh, I shouldn't use the word case like this is not a legal battle, but um, add leverage in his, in, his, in his corner in terms of trying to get the best deal he can possibly get uh, from the UFC by um, 
retaining the championship or, 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 or winning the undisputed heavyweight championship and, and, and being able to use that hopefully for or if or on his point of view uh, to get the best deal he can possibly get from the UFC if that's what he wants to do, right? And just to kind of compound things, we've got, we've got Cyril Garn, an ex-training partner, although both of these guys have, have played it down, played, played down the fact that they, they trained together. They, they, they say that they only, they only sparred a few times. It wasn't like they, they came in, they came up in the game together and whatnot. But you've got Cyril Garn, who just seems to be the coolest cucumber in the fridge. I've never seen a fighter... Um, going into such a high-profile fight, be as laid back as Cyril Garn was during his interview with Ara Hawani. Like I've seen fighters trying to convince us that um, they're calm and they're cool, and the occasion isn't getting to them, and they're going to carry this calm and cool attitude into the fight, and that's what's going to help them help them win on fight night. It's it's like a it's like a the mo of a lot of fighters, right? But I always feel as though deep down they must be shitting themselves. Deep down there must be some sort of nervous energy that they're feeling. But Cyril Garn for me is the most convincing that I've ever seen do it. Like his attitude is very, is very laissez-faire. It's very comme-ci, comme-ça. And it's quite apt that I'm speaking French because obviously Garn is a Frenchman. And um, Francis Ngannou left Cameroon, and, and and where did he learn how to fight France? I'm cultured like that. But yeah, man, like I've never seen a fighter admit such tranquil energy before such a big fight. And it's just it's just just total juxtaposition in terms of Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ngannou to the point where Cyril Ngannou was like, well, if I lose, I lose. It doesn't really matter. I don't really mind losing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he was saying something to that effect to Ara Hawani. It's almost as if Cyril Garn didn't have a dream to be a fighter. He just happened to be good at it, and it pays the bills. And he understands that to get better, he needs to fight better opponents. And there might be setbacks, but it will help him grow in the long run. Right? That's kind of the, what I take from Cyril Garn's attitude. And speaking of this not being his dream... It wasn't Francis Ngannou's dream. It wasn't Francis Ngannou's dream. He's always wanted to be a boxer. He's still talking about it to this day. To this day, he's still talking about wanting to be a boxer. And it's his ex-coach, Fernand Lopez, who I spoke about earlier, who they were in this con like, there's this conflict between both of these guys, and Fernand Lopez is the one that put Ngannou on this path to be an MMA fighter. There's so many different kind of weaving storylines going into this i find it so so interesting and I, i've been talking for for seven minutes about this and i haven't even mentioned about how good both of these guys are on the octagon and the styles that both of them have do you know what i mean i haven't even spoken about how how dominant both of them have been um throughout their ufc careers but in such different ways <clears throat> i'll touch on that in a little while but the the the, the storyline going into this is 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 just it's like it's like it's, it's like it's out of a film like dana white mentioned how oh yeah wwe couldn't have scripted this any better when he was talking about um about um the fact that fernan lopez is the guy you know all of the background between fernan lopez and garnu and the fact that cyril garnu and garnu have trained together previously and then you've got that 
that that that backstage clip in tr true WWF Raw back in the day Attitude Era fashion where Ngannou was walking past and Cyril Ngannou stood there and Fernando Lopez was stood there against the wall and they kind of blanked each other and that that really gave me that nostalgic feeling of of, of WWF back in the day but to me that's not the story the story isn't just the history between both camps it's the fighter going up against the man, the boss, and having to do it the hard way in terms of trying to get the deal that he wants. That's the story. That's the big story going into this. Now, the fight itself, man, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about how, um, how much I've seen people kind of lean towards Cyril Garn. And I understand it, right? Because Cyril Garn is a guy that is incredibly technical. He's obviously very, very good. Um, and it's just, we're not used to seeing heavyweights move the way he moves, right? It's like um, he moves like a middleweight or a light heavyweight, like a Gustafsson. And I'm not saying he moves like physically like Gustafsson. I'm just comparing the fact that Gustafsson had very good movement as a light heavyweight. Like for, for that size and frame, you don't see it very often. And that's what Cyril Gahn does, right? And... Francis Ngannou is the bulldozer. He's the guy with a power. And you know what? This is, this is um, the closest thing that I can think of in MMA to uh, the build-up to the first time Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fought each other because it was the power against the technical boxer. And this is quite similar. You've got the technical striker against the power of Francis Ngannou. Um, but don't get it twisted because Cyril Ngannou's <laughs> got his own power. It's not like he throws his pillow fists. He's got a number of finishes on his record. And the last one being against Derek Lewis, a guy that Francis Ngannou has lost to. Right? So I understand why people are, are, are kind of leaning towards Cyril Ghosn. But personally, and I don't know whether it's because um, I, I kind of feel for the predicament that Francis Ngannou's in. And um, just for the sake of his own leverage in this contract dispute with the UFC um, I know that it's beneficial for him to win this fight um, but I feel as though people aren't aren't giving Francis Ngannou the credit that he deserves a little bit because he showed um, a different side to himself against Stipe Miocic uh, when he eventually won the title he, he, he um, avenged that defeat that he had the first time they fought each other and <clears throat> The thing that I noticed the second time that they fought is obviously he was a lot more um, he was a lot more patient. He wasn't just rushing in, going in for the kill, which is what we saw in the, the first time they fought. And and that that kind of attitude that he had the first time they fought um, that taught him a couple of things. One, you need to conserve your energy, and two, you need to you need to be cognizant of the of the fact that your opponent is, might want to take you down, right? And I don't feel as though that will be as much of a threat against Cyril Ghosn about um, the takedown uh, threat. But I do feel as though if both, because because we've seen we've seen Cyril Ghosn in a fight. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was against Rosenstruck, uh, where not a lot happened because both of the men, both of the men in there were were, were waiting for each other so they can counter strike. And I fear that with with so much riding on this fight that. Cyril Ghosn is a very patient fighter. He, 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 that's how he fights, right? He waits for his opponents to make mistakes. He'll touch, touch, tap, 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 and wait for an opening and, and, and try and take advantage. 
And if Cyril, uh, sorry, and if Francis Ngannou is very patient and waits for Ghan to make a mistake, that mistake's not going to come. And then what we're going to get is a stalemate and quite a boring fight. Um, but I feel as though Francis Ngannou, um, like all of the stuff that he, all of the the stuff that I've spoken about for the last ten, twelve minutes in terms of you know the conflicts that Francis Ngannou is going through outside of the octagon. Um, you know, you think to yourself, is that is that going to cause a load of pressure and have a negative impact, a negative influence on his performance? Or is that something that's going to motivate him and help him? And I, I, I feel as though it's something that will help him perform. Um, he's a guy that's got a l very good over a short period of time. And if you've watched that interview that Joe Rogan did with him on the Joe Rogan experience and, and you listen to his first-hand his first hand take on how his journey unfolded from Cameroon to France and to the UFC. Um, he feels as a, he feels as though he's a guy that has a lot of tenacity and he has, um, he's, he's able to deal with difficult situations and he's been in much more difficult situations in the past. I feel as though this might, this isn't, something that will cause him to panic and fight out of character. I feel as though Francis Ngannou, like, <clears throat> just the, the, it's not just that he's got power. Uh, I feel as though he, he has the tenacity where he's, he's willing to take a risk and he's got a chin where he's willing to take damage or he's, he's able to take damage, not willing is the wrong word, he's able to take damage. And um, because of that, I feel as though France and Ghana gets his hand raised on Saturday night. But as I always say, I always say, I wouldn't be surprised if Cyril Ghan is the one that comes out victorious. I think conventional wisdom will say if it's early, France and Ghana, if it goes a distance or if it's late, it's likely to be Cyril Ghan. I don't know whether I buy into that. I can see, I can, I can think about this fight and see France and Ghana winning a points decision. I can see Cyril Ghan finishing France, hurting him and finishing him early. You know, I can see every single outcome and, and none of it will surprise me. But one thing that I, I, I do think will happen on Saturday night is I'll be entertained. I'll be very entertained. Um, <clears throat> the last thing that I want to add is obviously with this conflict of, 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 of between Dana White, the UFC and France and Ghana, where Dana White has openly said he feels as though uh, France and Ghana's managers aren't very bright, aren't very intelligent, and they're counterproductive, paraphrasing here, obviously. But that's a general gist of the message that he wants to give out there. Um, <clears throat> it's quite funny because I've seen Arahawani twice now in the last couple of weeks tweet about sponsors that France and Ghana has got um, outside of the octagon, um, a watch brand and, and cash app, I believe, and some cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Um, and it's difficult, it's difficult to secure deals with sponsors in the current climate for UFC fighters with all of the restrictions that the UFC impose on their fighters. So his agents, his managers, whatever you want to call them, are doing something right if they're securing these deals with big brands. It's not just, you know, whatever, um, I'm trying to think of the old brands that I used to see on fighter shorts back in the day. Dynamic Fast Strap, what, Dynamic Strap, what was it called again? But you don't know what I'm on about. Um, those random brands that you'd see advertised on fighters. These are like big proper brands that are sponsoring Francis Ngarni. Um, <clears throat> but I just don't know whether this boxing stuff, 
um, perhaps I'll make a different video about all of that because I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced with this boxing stuff and I really hope Francis um, doesn't regret this this desire. He, I really hope Francis Ngannou doesn't look back and say, why was I so adamant that I won a box? You know, but maybe I'll make a separate video a different day for that. Maybe next week at some point, get after we see what happens, what's happened on Saturday night. And another thing that's going to happen on Saturday night is obviously Brandon Moreno is going to defend his flyweight title against Davison Figueredo. Now, um, I don't really have much to say about this fight. I've just got a couple of brief kind of comments about this fight. And the first thing is, I was thinking to myself, why, why have they, like, when they announced this third fight, I was thinking, why are they making this? It doesn't even make sense that these two are fighting again. Because obviously the first fight was close, it was very interesting, it was exciting. The second fight wasn't close, because Moreno just beat Figueiredo. He beat him all ends up, from what I can remember. And he got the finish in the third round, was it? Let's check. <clears throat> yes, the third round, rear naked choke. And then immediately after the fight, I remember Figueredo saying, oh, I was sick, I had a stomach bug, and blah, 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 blah. And making excuses and saying to Moreno that you need to fight me again because I gave you the rematch. Now you have to be a man and give me the rematch. And I was thinking, it doesn't quite work like that. Like, it doesn't make sense for you to fight him right away. There's a perfect opportunity for you to say, look, um, I really struggled at the weight. It's time I move up to bantamweight. Sayonara flyweight division. Now, fair play to him for wanting to, to wanting to get that fight back and win what he believes is his title back. And then I kind of thought to myself, well, actually, I kind of understand why the UFC have made this fight because who else is there? Now, I know the flyweight have a number of fighters that have um, an argument to say that they deserve a title shot against Brandon Moreno, but who are they? Who are they? Can you name them? Alice Figgy is a character, you know. Alice Figgy has something about him. He has some sort of um, quality about him. He has a he has an aura about him as a fighter, you know. <laughs> um, going into this fight, and obviously Figgy is training with that the weirdest team ever assembled: Henry Sahido, Wei uh, Li Jang, John Jones, and Figgy. What? How did? How does that happen? How do these four end up together? But they have, right? And I've seen Henry Cejudo talk about how, oh yeah, you know, I I, I want, <clears throat> I only want um, champion level fighters in my gym. I want guys that I don't want someone that I need to come in and learn the basics. I want someone that I just need to tweak and hold accountable. And going off of Figgy's photo that I saw him post on on Instagram uh, with his shirt off the other day, it feels as though he held himself accountable, and he looks in tremendous shape and. Um, obviously he's a guy that's missed weight a couple of times and that always seems to be the, <clears throat> the weight cut always seems to have a big impact on how he performs on fight night. So if he's done that well, then we should be seeing the best version of Figgy on Saturday night in theory, right? But the thing is, I just feel as though Moreno has his number because Figgy's able to, he's able to bully his opponents. And Moreno just refuses to get bullied by him. Figgy's able to hurt his opponents. And Moreno did get hurt in the first round, but he didn't get rocked. He got hurt, but he was able to weather storms and keep going. And Figgy's a guy that, to me, <clears throat> it seems as though he gets tired. He, he, he needs to fight in bursts. He needs to... Um, he's like a sprinter almost. He bursts of energy and then he needs to get his, get, get his win back and get his energy back. Then he goes again, another burst. But Moreno just seems constant and he can just keep going, keep going, keep going. 
and I, I, I can't I can't see how Figgy beats Moreno. This is one where I will be surprised. I will be surprised if Figgy beats Moreno. And if it happens, you'd imagine that it's a shot that Moreno doesn't see that just knocks him out cold. But I don't know. I just feel as though Moreno's confidence is at a level where he'll be able to perform similar to how he did um, the second time they fought at UFC 263 and finish Figgy again. And those are my thoughts about Saturday night because I don't really feel as though any other fight on the card is really worth going into and talking about. Um, There's not really that much to get excited about apart from those two big title fights. But that's enough. I'm quite glad actually because it means I can go to sleep and just like wake up at four o'clock in the morning and then watch it rather than staying up until five in the morning and then trying to sleep a little bit and then getting up again because on Sunday I'm going to watch the Arsenal match so I need to be up out of the house by like 10.30 you know so I can't be up all night and then sleeping for two hours and getting up to get ready again do you know what I mean I'm old now I'm 35 years old I can't do it I can't do it anymore but anyway these are my thoughts about Saturday night feel free to share your own below feel free to respond to anything that I've said in this video Um, I'll definitely respond back to your comments. If you've enjoyed this video, please do hit the like button, share this with a friend uh, or two or seven or 34. And also hit the subscribe button because like I said in the beginning of the video, I need some more subs in here. Anyway, I'll catch you guys on Thursday where I'll be talking about something and I don't even have any ideas for Thursday's video. So if you have, please feel free to put them in the comments. And if I like it, I'll talk about it. Catch you guys next time.